The word silent has taken on a spirituality on its own. Absolutely. Discovered a kind of silence in the big city that we'd never seen before, those mm -hmm. who lived in the big city. Mm -hmm. The shots of over India, parts of India, yes. that are normally totally polluted, showed clear sky for the first time. In decades. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 123, Time Trek. What a difference a year makes. Well, Harry, here we are on September 11th, 2021, about uh, 20 years after a very tragic 9-11 and about a year since a significantly greater disaster brought on by COVID-19, from which the world yep. began its gradual and very challenging rebound for more than six months and loss of lives at a level not seen in 100 years with an economic destruction that we're still recovering from. Yeah, it took quite some time after the fact, after the all clear, let's say, was given for things to get back to, well, I won't say normal because there is no normal anymore. Right. Things changed quite uh, radically in some sectors of society, in others, not as much. But we're going to talk about some of the changes that have happened over the past year since the end of the crisis, the pandemic. Incredible. I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that was very clear to me from the event that occurred last year was the importance of a local community kind of thinking. And that means also local in a greater sense, as in a city or a province within one's country. We're less reliant on outside sources, whether it be supply chain, whether it be food products and so on. It really hit home what happened over the course of a number of months last year, how interconnected we are. And although that interconnection is important, how important it is also to be self-sufficient. Yes, absolutely. We began to, first of all, patronize our local businesses more after the crisis came to an end to help the economy recover. Right. My wife and I typically go out once, maybe twice a week to have a bite mm -hmm. in the community. Well, after COVID ended, we went out three times, sometimes four times a week just to help the local restaurants catch up, so to speak, mm -hmm. on their losses. But the whole thing about this globalization and interconnectivity, I think that whole idea in some ways came under a lot of scrutiny after COVID ended. The whole idea of is connectivity everything that it's made out to be ultimately? Right. Why do I have to be connected constantly to everything that is going on mm -hmm. in the world? Well, everything. In fact, we learned that we don't have to be. Exactly. Connected to my local community? Absolutely. Connected to my country? etc. Fine. But do I need to know what's happening necessarily in uh, Istanbul? Unless it's world shaking, do I really need to know that information? Mm -hmm. And so I think what we saw was uh, the internet began to change in terms of the content that people were uploading. It was a lot more local, personal right. content than simply sharing other people's uploads about something happening in Japan or wherever. Right? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because it's kind of anti-globalization, isn't it? 
It is. It's absolutely that. I mean, we've taken for granted the idea of globalization being a good thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. But COVID changed that. It made us reevaluate just how globalized we want to become. The fact is the countries that can't play in the economic playgrounds of globalization, yes. they lose out. Yes. They fall away, right? So we really excluded a lot of countries with the idea of globalization happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this being September 2021, it's hard to believe that an entire year has gone by since we began the recovery, because in effect, this thing began more than a year and a half ago. It took, yep. a, it took us months to get through it. And then the process yep. has been sort of gradual. Initially, a lot of people thought that we would be back on our feet in no time, but it's proving to be a much longer process than we originally thought. Well, yeah, a lot of businesses that went out of business stayed out of business. Mm -hmm. And it took some time for new businesses to replace those new ideas for businesses to spring up. Restaurants, for example, began to place more emphasis on takeout than sit down. And they even went so far as many restaurants cut their dining room space in half. In other words, took out half their tables to make sure that people felt comfortable for the first number of months going out to eat out right. so there would be distance between, right? Exactly. And not only that, another interesting aspect of that, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, it was already in that particular mode before the crisis hit, but it's even more noticeable now how little cash is being circulated. That's right. A lot of businesses have gone cashless as a result of covid Yes. They don't want to get back in case something were to happen again. They just want to avoid as much contact as possible. A lot of those uh, plastic shields that went up during COVID as well, yes. well, they didn't come down. Right. They just stayed up. Why would you spend all that money to put these shields up and then take them down? Right yeah, like, so they, just, they just left them up, right? Like going to your local bank and finding the plastic shields between the ATM machines. Yeah, absolutely. And the grocery stores and the liquor stores and all of that, they just left those shields up because otherwise it's a waste right the habits that were developed during covid levels of hygiene going up people being careful about hugging and handshakes kissing that sort of thing i mean that took a long time to begin to settle down and fall away people kept their hygiene up and that's a good thing Uh and even shopping habits you had to adjust shopping habits because during that time as you recall There were a lot of mad rushes and supply line concerns. So a lot of people also changed their shopping habits, which had to be reverted back to in some way. Not only that, but there are a number of grocery chains out there that changed their actual system of operation to more like a, well, an operation called Consumers Distributing that used to be active in Canada anyway, where you'd come to the counter and you'd put your order in and the employee would go back to the warehouse and grab the thing that you wanted. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of companies, retail organizations reverted to that system after COVID once again, just to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. Mm. So these kinds of changes in the way the economy is operating on the ground, uh, our world is a different world. That's the point I'm making. It seems that people are just generally more respectful and more courteous than they were before. Do you agree? Well, uh, locally, yeah. 
that, I've noticed that because that's all I can say. I mean, I don't, I can't speak for other countries and other people in other countries. Right. But here in Orangeville, in the Orangeville area of Ontario, Canada, people are generally pretty polite and thoughtful with yes. each other. And the COVID pandemic really hammered that home as to how important we are to each other as human beings and how important it is to care for your fellow journeymen on this road. Yes. As you know, in this particular area, too, we have quite a variance in terms of economic capability and economic standing. We have some very well-to-do people scaling right down to a few homeless. That's right. And what I've noticed is that that line seems to have disappeared a little bit. There's a little bit more common ground between the different levels. In other words, everyone experienced a similar vulnerability during those times. And it seems to have mellowed a lot of people in that way. At least that's been my experience. Has it been your experience? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there are many exceptions, of course, because there are a-holes everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Crises, no crises, new world, old world. There are people who are there to take advantage, like those companies that gouged in their pricing when it came to selling masks and personal protective equipment. Well, those uh, companies were hounded out of existence after COVID, which is Mm -hmm. a good thing. Mm -hmm. People stopped patronizing them. Yes. And those companies went under, thank God, as they should have. And that was a good thing that that happened. And not only that, the consumer, I think, became a little bit more thoughtful as well. They weren't just simple purchases anymore. There was some thought given. Where was the product made? What were the conditions that it was made under? There seems to be more of that going on, even if not through the entire population, certain segments of the population, the awareness level has certainly been raised. Oh, absolutely. We got used to buying from our local farmer's market, Uh realizing just how good the product is compared to grocery shelf products. Uh And so, I mean, we, my wife and I didn't go back to the grocery shelves for a lot of the stuff we went to before the pandemic happened. And so better health as a result. Exactly. Stronger immune systems. Stronger immune systems. And, you know, all of that better health also was helped along by the institution of the universal basic income. Yes. And that was six months after the pandemic ended. They brought in the UBI, realizing the limits of the economic support systems that they legislated during the crisis. There was a lot of confusion about how to get the benefits, the CERB, as it was called, uh, the business benefits, loans, and uh, all of these things were put in place. Numerous programs were created by the government during the crisis, but there was so much confusion that people really felt this is not the way to go. Uh And so the whole UBI, universal basic income idea, began to take root and a a lot of people began to push for it. We've seen some experiments now in the last year of certain areas where it's caught on. And speaking of which, for those of you listening who would like more detail on that particular concept, the UBI, which is now a reality, our last podcast, TSP 122. Yeah, the last podcast, which was about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> we had Andrew Welch as a guest who did a great job of explaining that whole idea. Yes, and incidentally, of course, uh, Andrew uh, came out with a book talking about the UBI that became a bestseller. That's so right. He's actually uh, rolling in dough right about now. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because he never even cared about that when he wrote the book. 
That's right. He wasn't even interested in the money, but now he's rolling in it. So that's good, good on him, I say. Anyway, <laughs> um, other things that happened in the last year. Well, of course, one of the most difficult aspects of the crisis mm. was what happened in the long-term care facilities around the country. And we both had first-hand experience with that. Yes, my in-laws were in a nursing home, and we were concerned and really worried about them through the whole crisis, and I even thought about taking them out of that home and bringing them into our place. Mm -hmm. So what happened after COVID was deemed finished is they went into those nursing homes and looked at those systems and really cleaned up the problem areas in terms of staffing and sanitation, and all of those things were cleaned up. Thankfully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe more importantly, they actually communicated with the residents themselves. Yes, that's right. I mean, they communicated with the residents themselves and realized that there were many elders in care who are really capable of offering perspective and wise advice. I mm -hmm. mean, physically, they may not have been in great shape, but mentally, they're very alert and very perspicacious about life yes. and all these things. So what began to happen, which is really interesting in the last year, is there are communities that have sprung up that have elected kind of a council of elders, so to speak, yes. kind of an indigenous idea in a yes, way, it is. is to treat your elders with respect and listen to them very, very carefully when they talk and share their stories. So, yeah, we've seen these sort of tribal of elders, if you like, councils of elders spring up all around the country, which is a really interesting and very positive development, I think. Box, box. What is being revealed to us in my humble, humble, at a time like this, humble opinion is a deeper reality and a deeper reality that's also present in us that we're going to need individually and collectively to go beyond what we believe reality should be, accept what reality is and see what new emergent realities could be created from the crucible of this chaos. The Buddhists say, don't they? Ah, oh, chaos. And we're like, oh shit, chaos. But... How much do you want your old life back? How much do you want your old life back? And I'm not being dismissive about vulnerable relatives or economic impediments that you may currently be experiencing. I'm simply saying, how do you imagine the new world? How do you imagine the world that emerges after this one? Are you going to happily get back onto the trains? Are you going to happily go back to the course? Am I going to happily go back to pumping out content primarily for money? What are we going to do? How are we going to review this? Because as you know, I've long believed in the possibility of revolution and change. As you know, I've assumed that revolution is coming and we don't know what form of cataclysm is going to provide the serendipitous carpet upon which we will walk to a new world and what it will feel like and how for a while it may seem like crisis. So I suppose what we must do is what we can to be positive to one another. Try and keep our sense of humour. And remember, we don't know what's best or what will emerge from this. Box, box. In the arts, there are a lot of artists who, before COVID came along, were really struggling to find their way. And when COVID happened, many of them were forced, in a way, to go online mm -hmm. and to offer, and many of them for free, Yes. offered daily concerts to help people get through the crisis. Well, 
many of these artists and musicians carried on yes. with a live stream concerts, but with a Patreon account or donations button you know, yes. included, and began to make a living. And the consummation of that, interestingly enough, was the Rolling Stones recently offered a live stream concert that was seen and paid for by, get this, 40 million people yeah, tuned I know. in. Incredible. Hear the stones. Incredible. <laughs> included in that particular discussion, from my perspective, would also be the element of pure joy. I mean, this is not predicated simply on the amount of money earned. There's a satisfaction attached to it as well, a value that has been given that is non-monetary, which results in monetary gain, but from which everyone benefits. Absolutely. I mean, I began to support a local musician through her Patreon account because she gave daily concerts for quarantine concerts, mm -hmm. uh, 37, 38, 39, like every day that it went on, she gave another concert, just gave it. And so I began to support her. And I think a lot of people are going to be doing that now. And we're going to see artists beginning to make their way in an easier fashion. And they weren't the only beneficiaries. A lot of uh, home-based businesses, even ourselves with this podcast, we benefited because we managed to get a lot of new listeners. We got more donations, which was a very kind of satisfying way of continuing this whole process, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's why we both moved to the Bahamas with that <laughs> money that came rolling in. And we're just sitting in the sunshine right. here, enjoying ourselves, right? Well, no, we're not, but it's a nice thought. <laughs> Yeah. Now, that's a positive on the other side, of course, that on the negative side of things, again, there was an uptick in suicides during and after the pandemic. And people became very, very depressed, Right. couldn't find their way out of the darkness. There are people that taking away their social nature was like killing them. It really destroyed them in many ways. And so a certain segment of the population, unfortunately, took their own lives as a result of that. Yes, in that same category, although not as drastic, you could also put divorces into that category in terms of the negative aspects. Yeah, there was definite uptick in divorce proceedings, for sure. You know, couples were forced to be in close proximity for months on end during the crisis. They began to realize just how wrong they were for each other. Or, the, or they got to know each other a little bit better and realized that things weren't exactly what they thought they were originally. Exactly. On the opposite side of that, though, with those two specific examples that you just gave, Increase in suicides, but also probably an increase in self-discovery. And a lot of people kind of came into their own. I heard time and time again about people discovering things or doing things that they had always wanted to do, but had always procrastinated on, and suddenly they found themselves doing it. And mm -hmm. even in the couple situation, although there were a lot of added divorces, many people grew closer. They realized they saw each other under duress and saw qualities of each other that they'd never seen before. Yeah, swings both ways. Yes. Respect, for yes. sure. And I think that's what that whole time was, really, on so many levels, was the yin and yang of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, sure. The other interesting development on the positive side, I would say, there's a new actual spiritual path that emerged after COVID. The founders of this movement, if you like, ended up calling it the Silent Heart Movement, which is really interesting. And what they were saying is mm. Muslims have their whatever it is six times a day where they put their carpet down and they pray to Mecca. Mm -hmm. Well, the Silent Heart people 
they take those six times a day and what they end up doing is they excuse themselves from the meeting. They walk away from their desk. They step away from the assembly line and they find a quiet place and they just simply find the silence inside themselves for a short period, connect to that and then go back to what they were doing. It's a very interesting idea, a simple way of connecting to the world, to life to your mortality. And that sprung up over the past year as well, the silent heart movement. Very interesting. The word silent has taken on a spirituality on its own. Absolutely. Discovered a kind of silence in the big city that we'd never seen before, those Mm -hmm. who lived in the big city. Mm -hmm. The shots over India, parts of India, that are normally totally polluted, showed clear sky for the first time. In decades. Yeah. And I think that these habits that were created some of them voluntarily, mostly not, um, mostly by circumstance, have now become kind of a measuring stick, too, because whenever you get yourself into certain situations, you tend to look at things differently, too. If you've gone through long periods of adversity or duress and you've gotten through it, you don't forget those things that you adapted with, and they can now be used in your day-to-day living so that everyone has to reconsider their position, including your bosses and management teams and so on, because people have taken a different perspective and everyone has to adapt. Even our governments seem to be more sensitive to certain things. There's a response. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and a good example of that is the task forces that were Mm -hmm. uh, set up to investigate domestic and farmed animals and how we treat them, the abuse of them, etc. They got very busy after COVID rooting out all the bad apples Mm -hmm. among the farmers and those markets in China. And China, in fact, was forced through international pressure to crack down on the animal markets, made them send in inspectors to regularly monitor and fine where they found abuses. So that whole aspect of how we treat animals really began to shift over this past year as well. It's not perfect, right. but it's getting better. Right. It's getting and, better. And I remember that uh, when we were growing up, uh, well, it wouldn't be when we were growing up, it was actually when we were in our university years. Remember that phrase, power to the people? Power to the people. Right. I think it's been a result here. I think that we're genuinely experiencing that now in so many facets of our life. And I think that the pluses, in my opinion, outweigh the minuses. However, I'm sure that other people may not uh, share that particular view. What about personally? What's changed for you, Harry? Well, my writing really began to go through a deep change through COVID. Okay. I was essentially forced to retire early or Mm -hmm. earlier than I wanted to, which put me at home. Yep. And my wife being very careful, she said, don't go out. <laughs> I'll do the shopping. Blah, blah, blah. So I was essentially stranded at home for months and months and every day, which gave me lots of time. So I began to go deeper into my writing. Mm-hmm. There was a book I was working on at the time called The Door We Never Opened. And funnily enough, it was about mortality and about dying. And death. Yes, I read it. Yeah. And it was picked up by a publisher and thankfully it was published. And so it's doing well, thankfully. But I'm carrying on my writing and just going more deeply into it. I'm carrying on being the Poet Laureate of Dufferin County. In fact, 2022 is my last year. So I'm still doing that, putting poetry out. And I noticed a great amount of poetry pouring out of me during COVID as well. Mm -hmm. New poems, some of the best stuff I've written. 
So all this introspection is gold for an artist, for a writer. It's the ground in which we live, space between stories that COVID created. Yes. And was there one particular moment, what they refer to as the epiphany throughout all this? For me? Mm -hmm. The epiphany for me was the moment when they gave the all clear. Right. And people began to come out of their homes and houses. And it was this incredible party. The streets came alive with music. Yeah, of course, with everything, life. Mm -hmm. The streets became this huge celebration, a huge sigh of relief where people came out and actually shook hands for the first time in right. months or hugged another person. <laughs> Even though some people were cautious about it, a lot of people weren't because they missed it so much. And mm -hmm. it just showed me how important mm -hmm. we are to each other as yes. human beings. And uh, that was, for me, that was an epiphany. That was a wonderful, wonderful moment. Mm -hmm. What about for you? Uh, it kind of reinforced a lot of what I was experiencing before the crisis in that I was kind of waiting for something to happen, but I didn't know what form it would take. I didn't know whether it was going to be a conflagration, whether it was going to be a sickness, whether it was going to be something else. I felt we were at a point where something had to give. And when this all happened, of course, I was surprised at the rate at which it happened. But I can't say that I was completely in shock over it. In the sense that, as I said, I didn't know what form it would take, but I was expecting something to happen simply because I thought we were at a stage where too many things were happening. It wasn't just illness. It was flooding. It was climate. It was fires. It was so many things. And the economic stresses that were being experienced, the wealth disparity, the tension between nations, the rising East and West, all of this thing that was happening, for me said, okay, well, this is it. This is how Mother Nature is going to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, okay. So finally something happens where everybody has to listen. That was my first kind of moment. And I realized also that it made me aware of how different I view the world from a lot of the people that I knew and know in terms of where my mind goes during situations like this and where other people whom I know where their mind goes. I learned a lot about myself during that time. I learned how I cope and deal with certain situations and also my interactions with other people. I think I became a better listener. I think I became even more compassionate. I think I just became more in touch with differences uh, mm -hmm. and, and to appreciate the input of people who also think the exact opposite of the way I think. I saw value in things that I had never thought about before because these circumstances brought out things in people that I'd never heard before. And so I was able to benefit from things that I would have not otherwise been exposed to. <laughs> I was not joyous about it, but perhaps some people got the impression that I was, that I wanted this to happen, and I didn't. You evil bastard, you. <laughs> but to me, it was like... Um, what else does it take for us to pay attention? Collectively, I meant. Sure. Uh, not, not just here locally, but worldwide. No one seems to really pay attention until something drastic happens. But up until now, we always have drastic in pockets. You know, we have a war that's over there. We have a problem that's over here. Yeah. Things are scattered so we can keep avoiding because it's not affecting us or me. Now, no one can escape. It affected everyone, yeah. That's what I meant. It didn't matter whether you were rich or poor, whether you were working or not. I mean, in terms of vulnerability, the 
ultimate vulnerability, which is mortality, mm -hmm. it was the same for everyone in right. terms of the possibility. Of course, people in better situations were able to cope with it better. But the bottom line was no one had a guaranteed immunity. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of bittersweet. I really mm -hmm. disliked the suffering and the death. I wouldn't wish that on anyone or anything. But there was a part of me that was kind of going, okay, what can we do with this? And all the things that were thrown at it from trillions of dollars of stimulus to efforts to revamp the economy to militaries, governments, all of this was brought to its knees. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, look, I know you're talking like BC and AC, you know, before COVID and after COVID, right. like the world has suddenly become this ideal place to live. But of course, it hasn't. There's still tensions among nations. Nationalism didn't die uh, exactly. In fact, there are places around the world where things got really rough. For example, in Hungary, during the COVID crisis, the government convinced the opposition to give them full unadulterated powers to do yes. anything and everything that yes. they wanted to. Now, after COVID ended, they didn't give up those powers. And in fact, they took a kind of a people's revolution mm -hmm. to overthrow that government that took those powers and abused them. So these things did happen around the world where governments fell. And you're right. It didn't eradicate everything or change everything. I don't elude myself to thinking that we reached some kind of euphoric state that all was well. I just think that the number of people and the number of countries who had some of the internal thinking, the process changed, or at least to reconsider. Today, we have many more women in power than we had a year ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And in fact, the women were at the forefront yes. in a lot of cases in terms of being the spokespeople for the health of the nation. Mm -hmm. In Canada, women played a big, big role in that regard. And yes. People like Christian Freeland and Dr. Tam, these people were front and center. Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel, yeah, in, in Germany, leading the way. Become in many ways a world leader. I think she was more respected than most male counterparts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, on that note, I say Muzzletov to all of these things that have happened in the past year that have been positive and have moved humanity forward, yes. has, has changed the globe in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy to be live and witness this kind of regeneration of humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'd certainly like to hear back from you out there if you have had an experience which you'd like to share with us in terms of how your life has changed or what you see in the world today that you didn't see a year ago? Yeah, this has uh, been an incredible year. We went through this incredible pandemic. Mm -hmm. Out the other end, many good things have happened. And let us know what happened for you. What good things have happened for you during the pandemic and after the pandemic? Send us your notes. There's an audio record button on our website and we will play your voice on the airwaves. Ciao. Ciao. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.